This episode is partially brought to you by the Humble Choice Program. Did you know Humble Bundle has a great monthly subscription service that lets you get a ton of video games every single month? That's right, from plans range from $5 to 20 bucks a month, you get a hold of a bunch of free games they have available to you. And you can use our code down in the description below to go and sign up. It would help our podcast and help you see what great games are available for you this month. Hello everyone and welcome back to the return of these interview episodes of the SWW show. I'm Mike, today with me, uh, as we don't always have both of us, uh, we have AJ. AJ, how are you doing on this fine evening while the Midwest is just under constant like tornado? Uh, I spelled smoke today from a fire in Kansas. <laughs> Good. I'm glad the world's not on fire. I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad everything's a-okay. Um, but as I said, this is an interview episode, so we have a special guest today. Uh, today we have with us Matt from Earth Lover Games. Matt, how are you doing? And I believe you're on the West Coast, right? So I don't think you quite have as much of chaos for once as we do. Yeah, I'm doing good. I am on the West Coast. I'm in uh, British Columbia. Um, so we've had actually some serious flooding this year here that's kind of sh- shut us off from the rest of Canada, which is kind of crazy. And then I heard today about the I-5 getting closed down between California and Oregon, which also kind of affects us because that's where all our produce come from. It's kind of crazy anyways, the weather this year. Yeah, no, that's that's a fun. Yeah, we we so me and AJ are both like in the center of the U.S. So we've just had the like sixty and seventy mile hour winds like the last like two days just continually. So Thank we have our it. we have our own funness of just like watching things fly everywhere. For sure, for sure. Yeah, no, I saw about the uh, tornadoes in the news. That's insane. Yeah, but, but yeah, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about your game, Bugs from base uh to get us started do you mind introducing kind of the game what what's about uh yeah so bugs from space is a vr arcade game and it's actually targeting um like location-based vr uh so it's uh pretty straightforward shoot 'em up it's inspired a lot by um like the theme comes a lot from starship troopers you know if i don't know if you've seen the movie or read the books but humans fighting giant bugs and the game itself was inspired i i owned and operated a vr arcade and i just watched people playing a lot and i just saw a need for more kind of arcadey style games that are really easy to get into for families and people who don't do a lot of games and uh so yeah that's sort of the the market it's targeting is basically non-gamers people who like to just go out kind of like when people take their kids out for a treat or um, a lot of birthday parties, those kind of players anyways. It's funny that you mentioned casuals because the, uh, you know, the ever uh, expanding wisdom of steams similar to games you've played list. Right. Uh, it lists Halo, which, okay. Yeah. That's, <laughs> you know, I, I would say like, it, it's like what Halo, Madden, Call of Duty, like, FIFA, like there's like four or five games that everybody knows about. 
For sure. So they're kind of, they've been made to be easier to get into. And then the next one that's next to it is Arma 3. Wow. Arguably (laughs) the hardest modern shooter game to get into. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay. No, yeah. I don't see it, but... (laughs) It is kind of crazy what um, what is thought of as casual these days. When I was working at the um, at the VR arcade, but we shut down after the pandemic hit. But most of the customers were the kind of people who would not be able to figure out an Xbox controller. You know what I mean? There's just like way too many buttons, and so if a game required more than just pressing a trigger, it, it was challenging for a lot of people. And so, sort of that's the version of casual. That's the bar I'm kind of shooting for: is try to keep it to a trigger press. Yeah, so I am generally curious, and I bet you AJ is too. Is so, what I just gotta ask. So obviously, this you got this idea from watching people in a VR arcade. So I worked, I've worked on like warehouse scale VR experiences, but I never oh, yeah. like, got got the like arcade like being in one of those places experience. Right. So, so you said that clientele is super casual, which I'm actually kind of surprised by. You know what? I was really surprised too because when I decided to open up the VR arcade, so we opened up in 2017, and before that, I was I was actually living in Japan and planning to move back to Canada, which I did, and I had this vision of VR arcades just being full of like young people, gamers, um, people really interested in the tech, like tech enthusiasts, that kind of thing. And boy, was I surprised when I found out it is that is just totally not the case. Um, most customers were, like I say, very casual. They were families uh, or just couples on a date, people who don't game. Anyways, I would say about 80 to 90 percent of the clientele would be classified as either like non-gamer to at most kind of casual gamers. And I, yeah, I yeah. feel like VR kids are like the... Uh the modernization of the target audience for the Wii. Yes. It was like, (laughs) this is like as simple as we can make it. Right. Cause like if you put a controller in somebody's hand, that's never played games before and you just watch how they move, nobody keeps their hands steady. Like somebody that's played games their entire life. They're moving the controller. They're tilting it. They're doing this or that thinking that that actually helps them. Nintendo comes up with a console where you have to do that. So, of course, everybody just gets natural to that. So now this modernization of, you know, you're the the controllers are your hands. Like, you know, it's no longer... Like, I feel like the to teach somebody how to play video games, the controllers are always the hardest part. Like, games are pretty straightforward. It's like, okay, you have these objectives and then you can do them. But it's getting people to understand, like, okay, this controller has two triggers, two shoulder buttons, two sticks that do separate things most of the time, a D-pad, four face buttons, a start, a select. Like, for a lot of people, that's a lot of stuff to get kind of going. So, you know, these uh, these technologies and these styles that go simple isn't the right word, but also I guess the perfect word is like, obviously the, the schemes in the background are much more intensive versus, you know, what's on the face of like a Wii controller or a VR controller. 
Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. There's a lot going on in the background and yeah. What, but yeah, it, exactly what you say, getting, getting someone to use all those buttons is really hard. And most VR controllers are very simple compared to an Xbox. Right. And, um, but even just having one or two buttons that people might push by accident was just, yeah, it's just too much for a lot of people. They don't really want that in a, in a casual environment, especially when they're paying by the, you know, half hour or hour to play. Yeah, that's, it's just, again, just one of the things surprising me, but kind of jumping back to your game then. So obviously you said you're kind of this relatively simple kind of like tower defense like VR arcade shooter. That's right, yeah. Um, so you said that you viewed this as like a hole almost in the market. Did you view this as there wasn't enough of these kind of, or like, like arcade games at this point, you have an arcade game for any environment basically or anything, either like we spend over time. Or did you view this as there just wasn't like enough of these kind of experiences out there, but some kind of exist? Yeah, so there are quite a few sort of arcade VR games that are great, but there's not a ton that are really easy to get into. So the ones that have been successful at the VR arcades are have are it's the same games are being played right now that were being played in 2017, 2018. So these are games like Super Hot, like Elven Assassin, like Job Simulator, um, like Arizona Sunshine, and all of them have a couple things in common. One is they're really easy to start up. And the other one is when you actually start playing, there's not a lot that can go wrong with the button presses. Um, you know, there's different levels of complexity, but on the really simple side is like Elven Assassin, which you just use a trigger while you're playing the game and pretty much everything happens. And then maybe Arizona Sunshine might be a little bit more complicated, but even it's really straightforward. Like you can't ever drop your weapon, for example. Um which helps. So, so yeah, it's not that there's not a lot of arcade games. There are actually tons even for VR, but it's just, they're missing a few design elements that are really good for uh, location-based VR. So what would be like one of those elements that kind of you viewed this in bugs in space that you kind of solved? Um, well, just very simple startup menus. So as you're going through the startup menus, it is a multiplayer. So there does have to be a few questions, you know, like about, are you going to host or join the game? But after that, there's very little, there's no settings available. Uh, there's just about nothing that somebody could press and start to get lost in menus, which, which happens a lot in games. And then after that, once the game starts, it, it really is just like you start, the weapons are in your hand you pull triggers and that's it. The, the gameplay is all just about moving your body and shooting. So it's, it's got those elements to it, but there's, there's very little that um, the player can do that's going to throw them off where they're like, where they don't understand what to do next because they press the wrong button kind of thing. So, I have a specific design question that I'm kind of yeah. curious how you solve. So, so you, so one of these things with these types of games is the idea, like obviously, the player can move, right? Because you don't get shot at. Yes. And and the thing that that is always a fight, I feel like, in these types of experiences, is to explain to the player where their hitbox is. And I'm kind of curious right. how you viewed that problem or how you kind of thought about it. It's, it's, that one is actually, that's kind of interesting. It's, it's hard. I mean, in my case, um, so the, the bugs, their projectiles are targeting the player's head. 
It doesn't always work out perfectly because some of the projectiles are kind of lobbed and there's a physics element to it. But, but basically because it's VR and I'm using the camera as the basis for where the colliders are, if you've moved your head, you've moved everything. And so I, I think it's pretty intuitive, but, um, but that is a tough one. And I, I know that people will struggle with it. Some games do it really well. I don't know if you've played a game called Pistol Whip. But they do that just to solve that issue. They make it really clear that it's just your head that you have to move. And so I'm kind of going on that kind of philosophy, trying to make it so that if somebody's, they, they, they can understand relatively quickly that, hey, if you just move your head out of the way of these things, you're going to be okay. Have you had scenarios? So I see scenarios where like players will do things like try to use their gun as like a shield. Have you had any of those that like, in like playtesting or anything where a player tries to use other things in their world to try to block the bullets. Yes, definitely. Definitely. People will try to use things. And I've actually had the game where that worked at some points, like just through all the different iterations. So I did have, um, I used to have throwing weapons in the game, which I've dropped uh, just because it was a little bit too much. But anyways, yeah. And so people would have these kind of sci-fi looking spears and they could actually block stuff with them. Um, which wasn't intentional at first from on my part. I was like, oh, okay, that's blocking things, but they really liked it. Uh, so yeah, I have had stuff like that. People will try everything once they're in VR. That's an interesting thing about it. I mean, when I worked at the arcade, I saw people running away often. (laughs) And that is not great in an enclosed space. Like I, I'm no word of a lie. Guys would see something coming at them and they would just turn and they would only get a couple steps, but then they just smash into a wall. And you're just like, holy cow. So, yeah, people's reaction is very interesting to um, what's happening in virtual reality. That, that yeah, I, I, I have seen those kind of scenarios too. All of a sudden, like, I, that's always, I just find it interesting when people are like, we're going to do a horror game in VR. I'm like, you better make sure there's, like, warnings all over the place because especially if they're on a wire thing, you can see where someone, like, jumps and pulls the wire out of, like, a headset. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, like, the whole cable system would just come... You know, I've I've seen it all because I had the arcade, but, you know, the entire cable system coming tearing out of the roof or and wires coming out of the computer um, to, you know, there's the, the monitors were TV sets, so people would smash them. We even had uh, people jump. And, of course, you shouldn't jump with when you can't see the ground, but people would jump. And that was actually pretty dangerous because they would hurt themselves. Uh, yeah, so there's a lot of things, a lot of reactions to what's going on in the virtual world that can be very interesting, sometimes dangerous. I feel like it's an interesting, like, you know, you you say, like, the danger aspect. Like, and then to make something, as you say, where you've taken all of that knowledge. And I think this is something that, um, especially developers that have worked on other projects or worked where they see some of these other outside results where they actually, I feel like they get a leg up because they know, okay, a person is going to do this. No matter what your, your game design, you want them to do one thing. They're going to do something else because that's their natural reaction. And in VR, those things are, at least from my point of view, so much more 
um, important to think about because as you say, you're moving around. It's not like you're sitting in front of your TV and you know, you're, uh, you're a game where it's funneling somebody down a hall and they just use the right stick to turn around and go the other way. No, now this time the person is literally turning around and walking the other direction and not realizing that there's a wall that they're going to run into. They're having something that's, you know, you took that information and it seems like you go, okay, let's make this stationary. So if they're not in as much danger. Yeah. Um, it, it's really cool to see, to see that because it's one of those things where like, um, I saw somebody uh, kind of going off games. Somebody was talking about how the um, CG in uh, District 9 holds up so well. And then somebody in, in the thread was like, well, yeah, because it's shot for CG. Like, all that, it was like the start of a trend of shooting, knowing that there's going to be something there and understanding that and lighting things certain ways and doing that. Whereas you're taking the info like like those directors were, knowing that they had a post process to to finish the scene, you took the information of people are going to react in a physical way, not just like a vocal way or, um, you know, so, some of the other ways that a person would react if they're playing like Call of Duty. You're like, look, these people are going to jump. They're going to try to duck. They're going to try to, you know, roll over. They're going to do this stuff because that's that's the natural reaction for a person so you take that and go okay how do we limit that (laughs) yeah exactly you want to limit it but at the same time you don't want it to go away because uh the physicality of it and this is something i really go for in the game that that movement whether they're smaller or bigger it really increases immersion that was another thing i realized from watching all these people play is in any game where they had to move their body quite regularly, they were much more likely to forget that they were in VR. And so it's one of those, I I don't know, I don't want to call it a cheap way, but it is kind of a cheap way to boost immersion without going for like incredibly high fidelity graphics and the most amazing sound you could imagine and adding in a haptic suit and, you know, all these things that you could do to make someone feel like they're really there. A really simple way to do it is just get them moving. And that movement, the brain triggering those, you know, those movement neurons really, yeah, it adds to the whole experience for people. I just saw that over and over. Yeah, that's, that's, I think it's kind of um, a very amazing thing in that way. So obviously as we're talking, so it's currently the end of 2021. Uh, congratulations. Most of you made it. Um yeah. Your game, your game is slated, at least, at least in the way it's supposed to be, Steam page, to come out in February of 2022 into early access, right? Um, I'm kind of curious, what what is the product that players can kind of expect? As as talk about, at least you have at least the right ideas and lessons going to this, and then what can they expect? It looks like the six to twelve months down the road for this experience. So there's a few things I'm I'm looking at. So right now I'm just sort of going for, you know, minimum viable product, get something into early access. Um, 
So we've only got a few levels to choose from, and I don't want to release something to consumers until there's at least a couple of hours of content. Whereas for the VR arcades, it's okay if there's a little bit less because most people are only going to play for 20 or 30 minutes anyways. Um, so we've just got a few levels now. So, so one of the things I want to do is just add more content and more levels. And then I, I do have other things, just even the existing levels, just adding stuff that isn't there right now, like um, boss fights can be a lot of fun if they're done well. And so I don't have boss fights going right now currently. I'm sort of working on it, but the way the movement system is right now and the way everything syncs up over the networking, it's it's a little bit tough to do. Um, so that's coming up anyways is boss fights. And then there's other things too. I'd uh, I'd like to have enemies coming in more moving like a squad rather than just sort of individual movements. And it gets a little bit more complicated, again, when you're doing the networking as you have enemies all together and then one of them decides, okay, I'm going to shoot now and the guy behind him has to all of a sudden change paths and you have to make sure everybody's, you know, seeing the same thing on all the machines. And so that's another sort of element of the game. So I'd like to improve a lot of different things to do with enemy movement as well as add content. And the game actually does have sort of a story to it. And so... Before we go to even early access, I want to make sure that we've got all the levels in place so the story is kind of complete. And eventually the bugs are going to attack Earth and there's going to be a, a level where you're defending Earth. And finally, there's going to be a level where you go to where the bugs are from and you find sort of the, the queen bug and hopefully sort of end the attack from the bugs from space. So you're telling me you're a member of an Earth Defense Force? <laughs> you are, you are. It's called the Human Federation. The Human Federation is your... I'm so glad I got to get that joke in. Once you started describing that, I'm like, I have to make an EDF joke because that's exactly yeah. what this game is. It, it is. You found a way to make EDF into an arcade shooter. You found uh, a way to make EDF fun. <laughs> that's, that's, that's way nicer. <laughs> Well, at least to him, not to... Um, yeah. Okay, you guys got to fill me in. What is this... And this could be my age showing, but what is this Earth Defense Force? Is this a... Oh, it is. A lot of them. I'm actually... It's... How old is that series? It, it's been a while. Yeah, it's... 2003, it came out as Monster Attack. Um, And also, it's... So, the thing I'm a little surprised... I thought it was decently big in Japan. Yeah, it's... it's as far as I knew, it was huge in Japan. Uh, EDF, it's called Earth Defense Force. I mean, yeah. and was it a Japanese series or is it? Yeah. It is, yeah. Okay, I'd have to, I wonder, do you know what it's called in Japanese? Uh, it looks like Monster Attack it started as, and I think that might be, oh, in Japan, a Simple 2000 Series Volume 31. Okay, oh, okay, no, I've never, uh, I've never seen this. Giant bug, like basically now. giant bugs come down to space or come down to Earth. Okay, okay. So also maybe sort of Starship Troopers inspired or yeah. something. I wouldn't be shocked if there's other influence there. We're not, we're not accusing you directly copying them. Don't worry. But yeah, it definitely did give me similar vibes. I'll give you that. That's cool. Actually, that's really cool. I'm gonna look at this. That's fantastic. That's yeah. I know it's simple series in Japan, which I don't know this series at all. So the simple series Earth Defense Force that looks awesome. Lots of great pictures here too. And also, we start seeing like new story beats, and then we we know to look. 
<laughs> yeah. It is uh, EDF is a game where uh if you like them, you absolutely love them. And that's about it. Like you either love them or they are some of the most annoying things in the world. He's like, is this PlayStation 2 kind of? So the original uh, one was, I believe. Yeah, the first one is PS2, I believe, and then it's gone ever since. I don't know if there's a PS5 one, but... There's looks like one in, coming out next year. Yeah. So um, right when you were coming out, they'll come out too. Yeah. Oh, wow, perfect. I'll have to, have to play off that somehow. <laughs> Find a way to contact them, be like, hear me out, I have a great cross-promotion. Yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> Well, perfect. Well, uh, before we let you go and get back to your afternoon, do you have anything you else you'd like to make sure people know about the game, of where they go check it out, any of that good stuff? Um, well, like, so at first, anyways, Bugs from Space is just going to be available at um, VR arcades. Um, so, yeah, go check it out at your local VR arcade. Take some friends. If you've got kids, have a birthday party there. You know, and it is just going to be the whole aim of the game is just to have something that's super easy to get into uh, for just some quick casual fun. That's really all I can say. Just go and kill some bugs. They make a great splat sound. Perfect. Uh, I do have one follow up question actually before we do truly let you go. Do you have an estimated price yet for the experience or is it still kind of you figuring that out? Um, I'm kind of figuring it out, but when we do. Uh, launch on steam for you know consumers which that launch actually so that's i don't think that'll be happening until late 20 2022 um or maybe 2023 even but that would be somewhere around the 20 dollar mark um yeah perfect well if people are interested in they go check it out remember it's bugs from space on steam uh you are earth lover games which is earthlovergames.com. There's a Discord, all that fun stuff that people should go, at least go look it out, check it out. And then as we explained, to makes every indie devs day, please go wishlist their game, whether you're going to buy it or not. Uh, it helps cross the board. For sure. For sure it does. Perfect. AJ, do you have any final words as we, we call it a do? Uh, the only thing I can think of right now is a kid's birthday and VR sound like the two worst things I ever want to think about. <laughs> I have I have some definite stories for you when we get off the air. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you. This podcast was a production of the SWW Show. To learn more, go to the SWWShow dot com. Remember, you can follow the show on Twitter at the SWW Show. You can follow me at Mikey underscore Moni. You can follow AJ at Boy. Remember, new episodes premiere on Friday, 9 a.m. Central Time on anchor.fm slash SWW and podcast services around the globe.